Numbers. We live by numbers. We track and count and measure everything. And sometimes we think the only numbers that really matter are the big ones. But it's the single digits that make the difference. The Bible says that heaven rejoices with the number one. Yeah, heaven rejoices each time even one person comes to know Jesus. We pastors dream about big numbers, and we should. But a daily focus on one meaningful interaction for Christ, that's the true difference maker. One friend, one family member, one coworker, one person at a time. We want to see God move in our nation like we have never seen before, but it all starts with one. I've got my one, and now I'm challenging you and your church to join us and to find yours. Because ultimately, the only number that really matters is one. Who's your one? Before we begin today, I, I want to take a pause. Um, maybe it's a, a history lesson with you guys, or whatever you want to call it. Um, I met and married my wife in Odessa, Texas. Um, we would probably call that hometown. I was born there, moved away, went back and graduated from, if you're talking to my wife, the other high school. Um, she's a Permian Panther and I'm a Bronco, which just means I'm wrong. Uh, but like us, um, yesterday y'all were wounded with the, the news that came out of another shooter in our country that senselessly took lives of people, people that are from our hometown. And uh, we're praying today. I want to take time to stop and pray for my friends and churches who are ministering to hurting people today all over Odessa and Midland. I want to pray for the families that lost loved ones. And I want to pray for the family of the shooter. Um, too often we forget that sometimes they take the greatest wounds through all of these with without having an answer for why their loved one would do something like this. Um, I want to tell you something that I think is definitive from my heart today. I don't believe we have a gun problem in our nation. I believe we have a heart problem. And when Jesus is in the forefront, amen. When Jesus is removed, this is what we should expect. And I believe we're going to see more. And that wounds my heart. It wounds all of our hearts today, doesn't it? That we believe this isn't going to be the last story we hear. I'm grateful and thankful for my friends who are today putting on a badge again and having to go work the streets of Midland, Odessa. And they're having to go out and help people. And they're doing so and putting their lives on the line. So before we begin, um, if you will, if you're willing to, and you are a part of our law enforcement or first responders, um, I'm asking you to stand, and, and if you can, I understand we have undercover guys, but if you can, uh, we want to honor you this morning. If you're part of our law enforcement, our first responders, would you stand to your feet for us uh, today? Uh, thank you all for your service. It means something to us, and yesterday was tragic, but it could have been much more. And we realized the reason it wasn't because of people like y'all. Thank you for serving our community. And so let's take time and let's pause and let's pray for Milton Odessa. Let's pray for El Paso. Let's pray for all those before us. Um, would you just pray with me? Father God, uh, we don't understand it. 
Lord, we want to have the answers. We want to have the reasons why people would be this evil, but we realize and recognize it's a heart problem. So God, help us to understand that it is absolutely the job of loving Christians to show Jesus to our world. That no one would go without hearing truth, and Lord, that no one would go without knowing that they too were bought with a price. That they have opportunity today to know Jesus and to be forgiven of sin, to be forgiven of past, and to be loved the way they've always supposed to be loved. God, my heart is broken for my city that I grew up in. God, we pray for those who are standing in the gaps today. We're going to have to stand in front of cameras and give answers for why people are evil. Lord, for those that are ministering in their community today to people who have come to churches and they want answers. But God, we know that on the flip side is the greatest answer to questions, and that's Jesus. Lord, help us to remember that he is indeed the way, the truth, and the life. And if that's true, we've got to give our life to that. Lord, help us to be people who seek the true answer to life's question. Lord, what are we here for? Lord, and may you be the answer we've always been searching for. Lord, we know there's troubling days to come. Lord, we know there's hurting people out there today that don't have answers. And Lord, they're going to choose the wrong path. But God, help us to hold on to you and to point people towards the light. And Lord, in times that seem dark and dim, God, may you shine brighter and may you make a way forward. Lord, we need you. And Lord, we pray over the cities of Midland, Odessa today. Be with them, Lord. We know you already are. So we just want to agree with your movement today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Today we're starting a series. You heard uh, the head of the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, J.D. Greer, speaking just then. You're going to see several videos as we go through this series as they challenge people to adopt this thought. What if you had one person on your heart and mind that you are praying for and reaching out to with the name of Jesus? Because whether you know it or not, you all have influence. We've talked about that before. Where you work, where you go to school, in your family, you have influence. And because of that, we need to redeem the time we have because we don't know when our time won't last any longer. One of the people yesterday that lost their life as a member of First Baptist Odessa, their pastor posted online the loss. He was a man that was established in his community. He was loved by those around him. He bowled in bowling leagues. He just loved people and had a great wife. And she posted online last night that they had lost him, but that God was still good. We just sang that a minute ago, that God is good. And then we sang these words, he won't ever let us down. And I think that's the real issue that we have to identify today of maybe perhaps why we don't share our faith. I think the reason most of us don't share our faith is because we don't realize how richly Jesus' sacrifice is to buy us. The only way to make sense of it is to think of it in terms of the man who is going through land and he sees treasure buried in the field and he sells all that he has to go buy the field. you got to capture this moment 
that if God is good and God is rich and God is merciful, we've got to identify how rich it is that God gave his life for us. If we forget that, we will never share our faith because we will think that he is too little and we are too big. When we make Jesus great and when we see his sacrifice for us and the greatness of it, you and I will be captivated with sharing our faith. We will start to identify how rich it really is for us. you got to capture this today. The reason we don't share our faith is we think way too little of Jesus. If we walked into the store today and we felt a tap on our shoulder and there was Jesus, would you just be like, okay, Jesus, keep it on the down low. We don't want anybody to know you're here. Would you just walk through the store and keep shopping? Or, or would you be like, attention, shoppers, Jesus is here. I mean, I think it would shape us, wouldn't it? Because then Jesus would be made big. But you carry him with you every day. Those of you like I am who know Jesus is Lord and Savior, we are given opportunity to make big of Jesus every day. The question to us is this, is Jesus really made big in us? The Barna group is a group that, um, the Barna group, sorry about that. The Barna group is a group that they systematically go after um, data. They look it up. They, they try and identify who you and I are. And in 1993, it says this, that Nine out, of Christ, uh, nine out of ten Christians agreed that sharing their faith was a part of faith. Nine out of ten. Now it's two-thirds. Only two-thirds of Christians believe that sharing their faith needs to be something that we do. We have moved from being people who believe that God has called us to share our faith into people that just kind of believe that. Here's what's more. We believe that people that share their faith are evangelists. Or pastors, but but not us. That that's reserved for the, you know those people who get paid to do it. I, I I've got way too much to do. You got to capture this moment with me that if God is calling us to share our faith, we need to do something more than just learning how to. So let me ask you this, and I want you to do a show of hands because maybe you're like me. You grew up in church and you learned how to share your faith in some kind of plan. Or strategy. Maybe you're like me. You ready? How many of you have gone through a training on how to share your faith in your life? Go ahead and raise your hand. I've gone through a training on how to share my faith. Okay. I'm not going to ask you how many of you have because I think that would be alarming to us, right? I mean, I grew up going to church back in the day when church was all the time. Maybe you're like me. Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, Wednesday, and typically there's a Bible study or two some other point in the week. I can remember as a student, I, I was always doing something church-related. Even if it wasn't there, I went to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes at school as well. So it was always something in my world, and everywhere I went, they taught us how to share our faith. Here's a strategy, wear this bracelet, wear this shirt, know these verses, carry this Bible, do these steps. And we all learned all this stuff, but why is it that none of us want to share our faith? Because we should have been taught about how much Jesus mattered. We should have been taught about how rich his life was for us. 
Because then it wouldn't matter what strategy we used. We would just share our faith. Have you noticed this, that Jesus nowhere in the New Testament says, these are the steps to share your faith? He never gave five points to share your faith. He never like walked us through. Here's the tools. If you'll turn to Jesus Enthians 5.13, you can learn to share your faith too. Instead, he gives, us, he gives us models of how he shows people about himself. He met their needs. He showed them truth. And he asked them to turn and repent. I mean, that's how Jesus moved, right? And then we see the early church. They meet each other's needs. They point them to truth. They ask them to repent. And then we get in here and we go, spend 18 years with them. Don't really talk to them much. Invite them to church and maybe something will happen. And we wonder why faith isn't working. I really believe this. When Jesus is made rich, we'll share with him with all of those around. When we went on vacation uh, not too long ago, uh, we went and spent time in Tennessee with the stars. While we were there, we went and hit up a grocery store that's local to there. It's a few places, just not here in town. And as we're driving up, Bart says something to me in the car. He goes, hey, did you know that if you'd like to sample something there, all you have to do is say, do you have a sample of this? And they'll say, no, but let's open it up. And I was like, okay, whatever. So we walked past this one pastry that looked really good. It was a pastry that, that just smelled good and looked good. And I went, you know what? Sir, do you happen to have a sample of this? This young college student goes, you know what? No, but let's open it up. And you know what I did? I stood there very politely. Mm, that's how you open things. Mm, this is amazing. And he goes, would you like a slice? And I said, hmm, I think I will. He handed me one. I took a bite and I was like, oh, right? It's like, wow. And I looked behind me and there's my family and Bart's name and they're all standing there going. And one by one, we all, we all get a bite and we're all, mm, this is so good. And then everybody around us is going, well, what are they eating? Well, this is, oh, you have food here? May I have a sample, please? Now, everybody's in line to get this food because, man, I took this step to go, this looks good. Do you happen to have a sample? Yes, we do. Here you go. I became an evangelist of this pastry. <laughs> it was delicious. And all those around were captivated by its deliciousness. And it was delicious. And what's more is we bought one because I tried the sample and it was so good I wanted it again, and we did. We ate it all. It was delicious. That is exactly what it looks like when you and I get captivated by Jesus. Everyone around you will start to go, hmm, what do you got that I don't have? I'll line up for that. Let me have a sample. Oh, yes, that's good. I'm buying it. Here's why we share our faith. It means something to us. If it doesn't value to you, you will not share it. If you ever want to know what that pastry was, by the way, find me after church. I'm still an evangelist. Uh, it's fantastic pastry. Um, very good. So I want to give you a heartbeat check. And so I want you to do me a favor. One or two things I would like for you to do at the end of service. One is this. I don't know if you have it on your phone yet, but I have the Bible app on my phone. It just it says Holy Bible, and it's called Bible. It's the U version. Um, there's a few of us that are doing this Bible reading together um, that's every day. We're reading through the Bible this year on it. Uh, a lot of the students follow me. My wife's on there. 
the Zerlees, I read with them every day. It's always encouraging to work, wake up in the morning and go, oh, Vernon's up at like 3 a.m. in the morning. He's already read his Bible. Um, every day. He's, I mean, he's there every day. He's read his Bible. So encouraging. But in the Bible app down at the bottom in the middle, it says plans. And in plans, I'd like for you to search for something. Who's your one? Who's your one? Start that Bible reading app with us today. So when you go home today, as you're leaving out, you're going to look up who's your one. I know a bunch of y'all are already doing it. That's okay. Um, Click on plans, who's your one, start following it, and we're going to start that today. Maybe you're not in the tech-savvy world. Maybe you still have a flip phone. Is there any flip phones in the room? Any? Praise God for you. No, you don't. Anyways, um, but if maybe you just don't like to spend every day looking at your phone in the back in the foyer. You're going to see it as you walk out the back middle doors, go through the back middle doors today. There's a table back there that has Who's Your One stuff on it. Who's Your One, there is a booklet back there. If you don't want to do it on your phone, you can get it in a booklet and you can do it every morning with us. It's the exact same thing. So all together, we're going to be studying on how God will develop a heart in us to find at least one person that we should know by name that we're talking to them about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's why. Because Jesus has been that good to us. And he's worth sharing. And people around us will be captivated by him because he is that good. And he is a good, good father to us. And he does love us. And he does want to speak over their lives. So how do we learn to share our faith? We learn to be captivated by him. So you want to be captivated by Jesus? Spend some time with him. Okay? So that's, that's my challenge to you. Starting at the first, I'll end with it here in a little bit, but find that in your Bible app or go get the booklet. The next to it is this, these little cards back there, same table, same space. They have a way to invite friends to church. You can put it in that booklet. You can put it in your back pocket, and you can say, man, I don't know how to invite people to church. You can just be like, take this. I'm not talking to you. Just take it. On the back side of it is right now media login, so they can go on and watch videos about Jesus. They can learn about Israel. They can uh, give it to their kids. It is like the Netflix of Christian media. It is awesome. If you don't know how to get into right now media, why don't you go get one of those cards, log in and use it. It is an amazing tool, and our church provides it to you because of your generous giving to our church. So go grab you a little stack of cards. Go grab you one of those booklets, and go start being an evangelist. Um, I believe this with all of my heart. God has called everybody to share their faith. And there are people with the gift of evangelism. We believe that because the scripture says so. It would work like this. Tom Brady, we believe, is probably the greatest quarterback right now in the NFL. And he is studly. He is amazing. He's going to probably go down as the greatest. That doesn't mean there aren't other good quarterbacks out there. Um, It just means that he's got it. And there are people that are evangelists. They have that gift. But it doesn't mean that you and I shouldn't be sharing our faith. We are called to share our faith. Jesus commissions us to share our faith. And if Jesus asks us to do something, we should do it. So that was the lead into the sermon. Hope you've got another 85 minutes. I'm just kidding. I will not. I won't do that to you guys. But listen, what if everybody in this room could identify one person they're going to share Jesus with. One person, one name. That over the next few weeks, five weeks of this study we're doing together, 
that you would say, I'm going to pray for that one person. I'm going to start strategic conversations with that person. I want to know for sure that they know Jesus Christ. If every person did that, imagine how differently the kingdom of God would be. Not the church. This is temporary. We are kingdom-minded people. We want to see people come to know Jesus. That is our goal. What if you could develop a heart for one? So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we get this cool moment in Scripture. As this letter's going out to the church in Corinth, we, we get this moment of interesting turn of events. Why should we, who are loved by Jesus, talk about him at all? So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, so anyone that has given their life to Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the old has passed away, and see the new has come. Everything is from God, who has been reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. He has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He has made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You heard reconciliation an awful lot in a short amount of time. And so let's just spend some time with it. What is this? Why is God calling us to it? And what does it look like when you and I start to identify that we have a calling, we have a mission to, to, to go after? We, we have this insatiable desire to do something that God has called you and I to do. What if today you were going home on the drive and over the radio it went, and it said your name, Kyle. And you're like, okay. You're driving and it says, this is God. Well, first off, you'd probably wreck, right? But secondly, you'd be like, no, it's not. You'd be like, yes, it is. You'd be like, okay, if you're God, what do you want? said, I want you to go to the grocery store and buy a mango. You'd be like, <laughs> no. said, okay, and all of a sudden your car starts going to the grocery store. You can't control it. You're like, okay, you have my attention. So you go in the grocery store and you're, you're looking at, what does a mango even look like? And it's full form. Oh, there it is. And you got to reach for the mango and you go, stop. Okay. He goes, it's not about the mango, it's about that man across from me, and you see him. He said, I want you to feed that man. Okay. Hey, man, would you like some food? He goes, man, I haven't eaten in three weeks. Yes. Okay. Let's go eat you some food. Sit down with him. He goes, man, I've been praying and asking God to send somebody, anybody. If he's really real, I'm asking him to send somebody to feed me. You go, Okay, well, I'm here. And as you're talking to the man, God just says, see, I can use you if you'll listen. Would you believe that God could do that? I mean, really believe that God still speaks to people's hearts and leads them? Do you believe that? Me too. I really believe that God can still speak to people's lives. And I believe he can still use them mightily. The question is this, do we want to hear from God? 
I mean, let's just be honest. If God is really real, we are really messed up, aren't we? I mean, if God is really real, then we can't keep acting like we're acting. Something's got to change. we got to start spending more time with him or something. Because if God is really real, then when we wake up and we don't read our Bible and God's really real, then there's a problem, right? Or when God calls us to share our faith and we don't, we've got a problem. So the question is, is God really real? You see, that's what evangelism really is. It's you and I identifying, is God really real? Or is he just made up? When I was in school, we had a, a, a time where we learned all about Zeus and Athena and Icarus and all that stuff. You know what I don't talk about any day of my life anymore? Those things. You know why? They're what? They're made up. Uh, how about this one? I had to read Tom Sawyer. Any of y'all have to read that in school? You and I don't ever talk about that book very much. You know why? It's made up. But if God is really real and we don't talk about him, well, now that we've reached a point of being very inconvenient, haven't we? If God is really real and Jesus is who he says he was and the Holy Spirit really is alive, We've got some answering to do. Because God doesn't leave us in our current state. He, God makes you new, not restored. And I think this is the issue. We always talk restoration. But if you watch car shows like I do, restoration is when they take the current you and kind of reform you. Put some, some bondo in you. They, they shine you up. But it leaves you like you. God's not in the just restoring you to mint form. He's in making you new. He doesn't need broken pieces. He wants to make you new in him. The problem we have is this. When we came to know Christ, we never had a moment of death and renewal. So when we see people who are also walking zombies, we, we identify with them. How is it that Christians fit so easily into a lost world? Because we haven't changed. We don't look any more like Christ than we did when we started. And if Jesus is in the making new business, he gives us a new heart, a new mind, a new outlook, a new future. He gives us a new set of living that before we couldn't even connect with. You ever been around somebody that doesn't know Christ trying to read scripture? Incompatible. It doesn't connect. They can't identify it. But, man, when you and I start to dig our lives into Jesus and the Holy Spirit begins to speak over our lives, all of a sudden Scripture becomes alive. That's how God always intended it to be. That's how God intends your life to be. See, to be reconciled, you must bring yourself in. You must bring yourself in. You've got to give your whole life over to God to be reconciled. You have to bring yourself in. When, when they roll these cars into these places, they bring the car in, and, and usually the guy that owns the lot or the, the shop kind of goes, man, that quarter panel is going to have to be taken out. Or, man, that engine is too far gone. We're going to have to put a new engine in. And 
man, your, your seats are, are really bad. We're going to have to change out the seats. As I watch these shows, I'm not a car guy, but I just got to tell you, I'm so intrigued by what they can do with a worn-out car. And the best that a worn-out car can do is die. That's the best it can do. But see, in the hands of a master, a car can not only live, it can be made new. And God is not calling you to simply die. That's a state that we all get. At some point, our lives will end. But what we can do is really live. And what's more is, we have churches full of broken cars where we should be classics. God is calling you to live after him, and he doesn't want you just to exist. He wants you to thrive in him. And it doesn't mean he's going to make you wealthy and wise and famous. Because, I mean, the guys in the Bible didn't have it easy. They all did one thing in common, with the exception of a couple or three. They all died. Esther died. David died. The disciples died. Paul died. But you know what they all had in common? They all lived. They lived, and God's calling you to live. To be reconciled, you must bring yourself in. But listen, this is what's more. God desires reconciliation so badly that even sin can't take it. Sin can't take God's reconciliation because it, it demands the owner slip of a vehicle or a person that God owns. Sin wants to take everything from you. It wants to convince you that it's good enough, but it's going to take everything from you. And God didn't come so that you would be taken. He came so that you would live. When we see our neighbors, when we see our coworkers, when we see our classmates, do we see them as people that need Jesus or just people? Because there's thousands of them. I mean, the other day I was walking through the airport in Dallas and just captivated by the number of people I was walking past. Just kind of going, I wonder where they're going. I wonder what he does for a living. I, I wonder why she's crying. There's seas of faces that you're going to see as you leave this building today. Maybe you're seeing seas of faces today, even in this room, that you don't know. Can I just tell you from my standpoint, one of the most heartbreaking things I I deal with as a pastor is this. I see your face. And I see what you throw out in outward appearance. But I don't know if you know Jesus. And when you leave, and I don't know, that breaks me a little bit. Because, man, I, I would desire that everybody that left the room would know Jesus Christ. With all of my heart. I, I just, I wish that you would see what, what I see in him. Because I'm desperately in need of him even today as I was when I was seven. He is so good and merciful that he loves me despite me. Because <laughs> he knows me. He's known me from when I was in my mother's womb. He knit me together, scripture says. He knit you together. And he's known us long before we could even be imagined. And he will know us for eternity with one exception sin. Sin separates us from a loving God. And ultimately, those who are not in Christ will spend eternity separated from him. 
you know, I keep going back to a scripture, but it just, it's kind of haunting the more I spend time with it. It says, many on that day will say, didn't I do these things for you? But then there's a sentence in there that I think should be gut-wrenching for us if we're really being honest. It says, and on that day I will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. That is a desperately damning word to say to someone. Because that moment will be eternally significant in people's lives. That God would have to separate himself out from someone because we don't understand what it looks like right now. Because the presence of God is on the face of the earth continuously. The stars, the sun, the moon, the fact that our earth stays tilted at just the right you know, tilt, that it moves at just the right speed because if it, it didn't, we would freeze or burn up. Science goes, oh, it's because when, it, when the cosmos exploded, it just happened to stay at the same place at the same time at the right angles. I'm like, bull. God created it. He made it. And he sustains it. That's why it stays that way. God knows what he's doing. Science says, oh, the ice caps are melting. Doesn't God know? What if they're meant to last only so long and then they're done? What if God is really truth and he is coming again? And we really get that this earth isn't meant to last. What if God is real? Doesn't that explain an awful lot to us? Because without it, nothing makes sense. You're asked to believe something else. Because scientists can't prove scientists. They've proven that. They've proven that you can't prove anything. Except for one thing that has yet to change. That God is really who he says he is. And if that's truth, shouldn't we talk about him a little bit more? What's captivated in, in my world lately, because I'm a fan, is talk of uh, running back from a certain team that's refusing to sign a contract. It's constant. Everybody's talking about it. They, they want you to be captivated in it. They want you to tell your neighbors about it. It's on Facebook. It's on the news. It's everywhere because people are saturated in it. You've probably been saturated in it because I've been saturated in it because it's something we love to talk about. When Jesus saturates the life of a Christian, they will talk about him anytime they get a chance. Evangelism is not a strategy. Evangelism is you showing what's changed your life to be captivated by God and to share it with those around you. You don't have to have a strategy you don't have to be slick. You don't have to be polished. Just be real. Be you. God wants to use you. He wants to speak through your life. He loves you that much. And you know what? If you're in Christ, you're valuable to him. Because He sent God sent his son to die for you and for me. We are all set as commercials of God's work in our lives. People are starting to avoid commercials on TV because it's taking too much time. But I believe this with all my life. I think if you would share your faith, people would slow down to hear it. The question is, are you willing to slow down to share it? And you aren't just made new. 
you're made righteous in God. That's how it ends. Verse 15, and he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves. For the one who died for them and was raised, we get that, I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong scripture. In verse 21, he made uh, the one who did not know sin to be made sin for us. Um, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What if we are the greatest way that God shows himself now? What if the church is the way that God intends to show himself the most now? What if God intends to show your neighbors, your classmates, your family himself through you? You see, I believe that's exactly what he's wanting to do. I believe God created you just the way you are for this reason. I believe that God wants to use you to show himself to all those around you. Because God doesn't need just preachers in this world. This happens to me all the time when I share my faith. There's always the same question. We start talking. I get to the Jesus conversation. And you know what they ask? Are you a, are you a pastor? I never lie. I always say yes. And they go, oh, that makes sense. Because see, today, we believe it's just my job. And it's not. It's ours. May we take seriously the fact that God could give us one. Lord, would you give us one to pray for, to reach out to, and to share Jesus with. Give us one. Let me pray for us. Lord, I pray that today as we saw your scripture, God, that we would take seriously the fact that you love us. And Lord, there may be somebody in this room that doesn't know you as Savior and Lord. We don't want to waste that moment. Lord, I pray that today, right now, where they're sitting, where they're listening in, that they would say in their lives, I need Jesus Christ. Lord, would you, right where they are, engage their lives, or would they respond to you? And Lord, may they make you known. Lord, we we should never be silent when it comes to you. We should make you known in our lives. And Lord, for those that kind of know you as Savior and Lord, Lord, they need to make you known amongst people. So God, give them that courage. Lord, let them stand boldly and say, I need Jesus. And Lord, may we be captivated by you with those around us that also need you. Lord, give us your eyes. Lord, let us see people who need you. Lord, let us not just let the, the masses go by us any longer, but may we see people and may we know that they know you. God, my prayer is that no one would leave this room without knowing you as Savior and Lord. They wouldn't waste that time, but they would know you today. So, Lord, would you speak to them? Lord, give them the strength and the boldness to answer. And, God, we celebrate your movement. Lord, may, may we see that there's one in our lives who needs you as much as we do. And may we go after them with love and the truth and invite them to change. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. This morning, we do something every Sunday. We call it invitation. And it's that. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to make Jesus known in your life if you need to know him as Savior and Lord. Maybe today you would just come and there's going to be three of us guys here. We'd love to talk to you. But maybe that's intimidating. So here's what I'm going to do. I just... Every so often, I'm going to invite deans and wives if they'd like to come up and stand on the sides. Maybe you just like to go to a couple and, and talk to them. Maybe you need prayer for your family. Go to them as well. Come to us. 
Maybe this morning you'd come and kneel at the altar and just say, Lord, would you give me one? Maybe as I say that there's people in your life that need Jesus, a name doesn't come to mind. Why don't you come and pray and ask God to give you one? And maybe today we would start something unique. God, would you make me an evangelist to those around me? Give me a heart to share my faith. Lord, give me one. Whatever it is in these next few moments, I invite you to engage with Jesus Christ. That you would not leave this room without knowing him. So why don't you stand with us? And as we worship, you're invited. Would you come?